Hi, this is Solly Fulp, Executive Vice President for Learfield, and this is One on One with ADC Partners. Hi, this is Dave Almy of ADC Partners. And a couple of years ago, the NCA did something crazy. After some legal defeats and legislative challenges, the NCA finally threw up their hands and started allowing college athletes to make some money by using their name, image, and likeness in different marketing activity. What happened next was a veritable explosion of new companies, brands, brokers, collectives, and athletes all trying to gain a toehold in this new and potentially lucrative marketplace. It was, many said, the new Wild West of college sports. Well, there's a new sheriff in town trying to bring some order to the chaos of NIL. It might just be Learfield's executive vice president, Solly Fulp. It's safe to say college sports is woven deeply into Solly's DNA. Before landing at Learfield, he was a Division I wrestler at Oregon and later a deputy athletic director at Cal. And it's those experiences that position him so well to work on both the opportunities and challenges associated with NIL. In this episode, we talk all about those opportunities and challenges, how Learfield is approaching the quickly evolving NIL market, how Colorado head coach Deion Sanders fits in, and much, much more. And if you stick around long enough, you'll even learn how depriving yourself of water affects your teeth. You wouldn't want to miss that, right? Right? All right, so Solly, let's get started by first and foremost looking back on your own college sports experience because I kind of it gives you a unique perspective on, on what you're doing today, right? College sports is in your DNA. You were a D1 athlete as a wrestler at Oregon. You were an athletics administrator at Cal, and now you're an EVP at Learfield. So I'm hoping what you can do to get things rolling, to get things kicked off, can you reflect back on on that trajectory through college sports and, and how it shapes your approach today? Because that's a lot of college sports for one guy. It's a lot of college sports and a lot of different perspectives, right? Yeah. So if you start at the beginning, in my, my journey from Kodiak, Alaska to Eugene, Oregon, to be a student athlete and wrestle – this is not a common path. This is like Kodiak, right. Alaska to Oregon is not everybody's path here, Solly. <laughs> it's a little different. It's a little off, a little a off little the beaten track, but I mean, it got you to where you are today, so something worked. I went to Eugene with the focus of wrestling yeah. and, and probably wrestling first and then education second. Yeah, and, okay. and as I progressed, I, I learned the value of of college education and and as I was competing as a student athlete. What was interesting to me through that process is my focus as a student athlete, time management, I was maxed out. Yeah. Right. Between going to practices and weight training and uh trying to earn a spot on the on the wrestling team. And we had an all-American at 177. So I had to dip down to 167, but I got the the pleasure of practicing with him every day and get my butt kicked, literally, <laughs> physically and mentally and spiritually. We're putting air quotes around uh, around the benefit of. 
So, so I had that going for me. So I was consumed with getting through college, both on the athletic side and in earning my degree in, at, uh, at Oregon as a bachelor, bachelor's in, in English. I didn't have any real world experiences on the professional side mm. outside of those two things at University of Oregon. And they were great. I had a great experience. I commercial fished in the summer to put myself through college, oh, but just, I never that's, had that's any... tough work. It is. It's it just is. brutal. Yeah. I, I look back at that period of my life and go, what the <laughs> heck was going on? <laughs> what the getting, hell was I thinking? <laughs> getting my butt kicked by a all American <laughs> in the mat room and then going up in the summers and, and doing the most dangerous catch. <laughs> so, so I, it was an interesting time period for me, but we didn't have name, image, and likeness. We didn't have any of the professional experiences that up until two years ago were offered to student athletes. And that was how to build your personal brand, how to develop and connect professional relationships, how to fulfill and activate a deal, how to read a contract, understanding uh, they have to pay taxes on the income that you earn. None of that was even in my wheelhouse. And so when I graduated, I literally had no idea what I wanted to go pursue on the right. professional side. And it was abrupt, like even more so for most student athletes, it's an abrupt transition from competing in college and then making that professional transition uh, into a career. And so what, one thing, you know, I know we're going to jump into it that I'm excited about is the opportunities that NIL can unlock related to student athlete, athletes connecting with brands and the commercial opportunities that, that name, image, and likeness is bringing to these student athletes and all the soft skills and benefits that are originating from this as well. Well, let's make that transition in the conversation then, because I feel like you know, I think at the outset, I said, oh, hey, Sally, we're going to try to keep this podcast to about 35, 40 minutes. But NIL is a topic that you and I could probably spend four to five hours and create volumes six through and seven for this conversation, because there's so much going on in that particular part, relatively new part, still very new part. Of, of college sports and what that means for athletes. So, but before we dive too deeply in for the uninitiated who may be listening to this and going, what the expletive is in NIL, can you give a high level review of what NIL is and sort of a initial reaction regarding the impact it's already had on college sports? Give it, give us the, give us the Solly Fulp 35,000 foot view. So name, image, and likeness, uh, July, first of 2021, so a little over two years ago, student athletes can now monetize and uh, experience the benefits of their name, image, and likeness commercially. Right. Before then, not, you can't do it. You're an amateur. You can't make money. That's right. That's right. The opportunities that student athletes now have in monetizing their name, image, and likeness has related to getting paid for camp appearances or commercial appearances with a corporate partner, mm -hmm. using uh, digital media, you know, social media campaigns to uh, connecting with brands and getting paid for that. It's, you know, creating their own content and getting paid for that now. So what I think has happened, you're seeing 
probably two definitions of NIL developing. One is related to this perceived pay for play aspect, mm-hmm. which is which is being associated more so on the collective front. What Learfield is doing and student athletes are doing directly with uh, brands is what I think the intent of NIL was was to be where uh, student athletes were connecting are connecting with brands and there's transactions for their name, image and likeness at market value Mm -hmm. on what that what that company is willing to pay. And it's, you know, Learfield is very committed to making sure that there is compliance and disclosure and receipts for all our activity. But I think it's fascinating. Like, so there definitely was like this this before period where you're an amateur and you can't make re- many you can't make money to do this. Otherwise, you're 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 hurting your ability to play sports. You're you're not going to be an amateur anymore. That changed, like you said, two years ago, right? And all of a sudden, you know, the the Supreme Court jumps in and says, you know what, people can people can't be restricted from from doing things like that. So, but what I thought was surprising is the NCAA took a really hands-off approach in adjudicating how NIL was put into place, right? And so it led to this, and you brought it up, right? the collectives. Collectives were sort of an unforeseen outcome, right? And that's one approach. And then there's the more sort of what I think the intention was approach that Learfield's taken. But that kind of kind of crazy mishmash led a lot of people calling, you know, NIL and the people jumping into it and the way it was beginning to explode all over the places and they call it the wild west do you think that's a fair description of what how it started and how it's going or do you feel like this marketplace is starting to settle well i think there's a little bit of both still going okay, on yeah. right I, I think that there's a need so with individual state law that is what's dictating nil uh more than anything mm. i do think there's a need for transparency having that compliance and disclosure would be appreciated by everyone. I would say on our front with what we're doing, connecting brands with student athletes, I want to make this very clear. We represent brands, not student athletes. We're not agents of student athletes. We represent brands' interests in engaging with student athletes on influencer marketing. And that's what we're doing. We're connecting brands school intellectual property rights and the student athlete and it's our it's our ally program where where student athletes can use the school ip in brand campaigns that's facilitated through us we have those commercial intellectual property rights for the school so we're out there representing if a brand wants to engage in using intellectual property rights with a student athlete or without a student athlete the front door is to go through learfield to make sure that it is properly monetized the right way and represented with the company the right way. A student athlete's NIL campaign is much more valuable when they're in uniform or when they're associated with their respective university. We're sitting in the center facilitating that transaction and we're we're best suited for it with having over 15,000 brand relationships at our 200 plus 200 nearly 200 schools that we represent and conferences that we represent. So we're in a situation where we have the accountability and expectations to make sure that we're properly trans making those transactions 
the next level to this in content creation and digital campaigns and all these op creative opportunities that we can do with the student athletes and use of school IP and brands is alignment on values mm. related to the brand right. and, and the student athletes that are participating in these campaigns. If you have a credit union that wants to do a financial literacy program, it probably would make sense for us to connect that credit union with student athletes that are interested in going into finance. Well, I, you bring up such a great point because I, I mean, if there's another organization or company that's more set up to make NIL happen in a way in which it was attended, I can't, I mean, I can't think of anything other than, than Learfield, right? The company's been at it for 50 years, working with brands, working with colleges across the country. You've been leading the company's approach to NIL. I, I mean, I, I'm assuming that athletes are excited about it. You know, they're curious about it. They kind of want to do it. I'm assuming, and I'm underscoring assuming here because I'm just not that smart a fella, that schools are a little bit more trepidatious about NIL and what that means. So I'm wondering what your perception is and how you see, how have schools approached Lear? What questions are they asking you about what the hell is this and what do we do and you know where are the opportunities and where are the dangers? Like what what are some of the things that schools right now are focused on when it comes to NIL? You know, when this first started two years ago, I think everyone was super cautious. <laughs> yeah, brands right. brands were were interested, yeah, but they didn't want to engage with student athletes and get the student athlete or the school in trouble okay. or yeah or have something come back to their to their brand yeah. right so it that there was caution on that front schools were cautious and student athletes were just trying to figure out what their value was in the space and so i think you know you got that spider-man meme where everyone's pointing at each other <laughs> it was but what has developed very quickly and, and I credit our CEO, uh, Cole Gehagen. He identified this at the beginning, that we need to stand up Learfield Studios and get really good in content creation right, because yeah. this is coming. Yeah. And, and, and he saw the future with influencer marketing and where this is all going. When he you know, moved me from multimedia rights and business development into this role a year ago, he said, hey, you have that student athlete experience experience and perspective, which is important. You know our multimedia rights business. I need you to lead this in, in with many other people, right? So it is, no pun intended, a, a collective effort on our end with many, many people taking ownership in on NIL uh, throughout our company. But quarterbacking this uh, was scary. It's yeah. like, I you're you're going into the deep end of the pool or the abyss and really not understanding uh, where all this is going. And, and so I see what what is developing though is brands are really understanding the impact and value of what the student athlete can bring to all their multimedia rights assets to amplify and and connect with those individual university audiences, I, especially on the national level, but also on the local level. Mm. It, it's interesting, the student-athlete storytelling and the uh, followers that they have that they can bring to the table and the connections that they make with the university community 
the fans want to consume that student athlete content. And so when you align it and connect it with a brand and put it in some really cool creative campaigns, it uh, it resonates and it's working. The con the connectivity between people and this is such a terrible statement. People and people, right? Fans want to engage and be connected to athletes. They love their schools, right? You brought up earlier, you know, being able to integrate logos and uniforms and other forms of IP into that kind of campaign and content, hugely valuable. But it takes on an entirely higher level of engagement and excitement when it's connected to that person who's representing it, especially now with social media and ability for people to create this authentic presence about themselves in those kinds of moments. And I think that's what I really found fascinating was Learfield and Alabama opening up the Advantage Center. And so and I'm going <laughs> to read a quote here by Greg Byrne, AD at, AD at Alabama is Greg Byrne. He says, this is a place where young men and women can go to grow their brand and be educated in that financially, which is a statement three years ago that would be absolutely crazy coming from an athletic director. Just three years ago, he would have probably would have been arrested, right? <laughs> but this is an entirely new part of the student athlete experience, the ability to go in there and say, what's your brand and how we're going to help you create content. Can you talk about that kind of idea and using the Advantage Center as sort of the, the catalyst for it all, what that experience means for a student athlete now. You know, I think there were three legs to the stool prior to two years ago. And mm. It was come to our respective university, receive a meaningful degree, right. win championships in character development on the playing field or on the court or in the mat room, et cetera. Now, the fourth leg to the stool, and it's an expectation of prospective student athletes, is all those three things. And I want to monetize my name, image, and likeness. Yeah. And I want to develop my personal brand while I'm at your university. I want to connect with corporate partners. I want to understand the value of relationships. I want to be able to have time management skills to facilitate all this. And I want the university to help support it. And so that is an expectation that these student athletes now have that is part of their student athlete experience. Yeah. Period. And so what you're seeing with the with Alabama's Advantage Center and Greg Burns uh, vision with Cole and others and Andrew Wheeler came together to discuss, okay, how do we how do we help support a facility on campus that can answer that student new student athlete expectation that they have at your university with a facility that is in the daily traffic schedule of these student athletes on campus, part of the athletic facilities where they can go and create content, where they can go connect with our, our corporate partners, where they can learn how to develop their personal brand, understand the tax issues that come from earning income on these NIL campaigns, uh, time management skills, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that's a that, that facility is a physical commitment that the University of Alabama has to their student athletes. I will tell you, I've 
there will be more studios or Advantage Center concepts on campus to provide that solution to those student athletes that have that expectation that's part of their experience. Do you think that Alabama just realized that this is a key differentiator for, for us to be able to reach the kinds of athletes that we want to come to our program? This is an expectation that they have now. I mean, it is another leg of the stool from the standpoint of, yeah, you're going to play for championship teams. You are going to get a great education and you are also now going to learn and be capable of building a brand, extending your message and understanding and having all the tools to be able to do that specifically. That, that was a strategic move on the part of Alabama's leadership. It will make a difference in the recruiting and retention efforts for sure. Mm -hmm. I will tell you just as a former student athlete, I wish when I graduated that I had a couple NIL deals under my belt. So I just had a better sense of business one-on-one and what a contract meant and what my personal brand meant and how to talk to an adult and a corporate partner and what showing up on time and fulfilling an agreement and activating what that means and the value of relationships that come from it. I mean, you know, I, I it's fascinating to you brought that up previously, right? This idea of athletes in the past would graduate from college and it would just kind of be good luck with the degree. You had a great experience. See you later. Bye. This moment to your point is like, not only are you developing your brand, you're, you're basically doing an internship on yourself the entire time you're at school and developing all the tools that you want. Yes. Your sport is going to teach you amazingly important things, teamwork, grit, you know, the ability to bounce back from challenging moments, all those kinds of things that I think you and I both as a somewhat less successful college athlete, uh, the, you know, we both learned that successful day. <laughs> That's true. You were getting turned into a pretzel by a 177 pound guy. Uh, but it does. I and mean, you do come out with a skill or more skills that are incredibly relevant to today's work world. It's you, you nailed it. It is NIL, I look at with the soft benefits that are associated with these influencer marketing campaigns and understanding your personal brand and connecting with these corporate mm. partners. It is an internship. It's a it something, it's an experience that student athletes have not had the chance to be part of until two years ago because their life is in the film room, yeah. in the weight room, yeah. on the court or on the field or in the swim pool, they're going to training table, they're going to tutor sessions, and then they're going back to their dorm room or their apartment and they are exhausted. Yeah. And, and I remember having these conversations and in exit interviews for student athletes and wishing that they had the opportunity to do an internship and have the time to do an internship because of that abrupt transition and not having the confidence to go out and get those career experiences yeah. and connect. No time. They had no time. Yeah. And so this and these NIL activities that Learfield is facilitating is providing those, those super valuable opportunities to get those experiences. Yeah. You, you bring up a kind of interesting point with time management and all the requirements that a college athlete is, is responsible for. Um, college coaches... Uh, particularly football coaches traditionally aren't big fans of things that take their athletes away from their sport, sort of let their attention go. 
And, and, and what we're talking about right now seems like it has a lot of potential to do that, right? It's like, I'm, I'm interested in building my brand and learning about this and doing all that. I'm wondering if you have advice for coaches who may be looking a little bit askance at NIL and have concerned about players getting too wrapped up in it. Do you have any, if there's any coaches listening right now? I, I have no advice for coaches. I, I, I've been smart enough. Sorry. Dave, not, not to provide any <laughs> profound advice to coaches. That said, it's very interesting to see what Deion Sanders is doing at university. <sighs> Boy, right now. he is right in case study. I mean, the case studies on this right now are unbelievable. He is a walking example of personal brand. Yeah. And he advocates and encourages it and all the things that come with it to his student athletes. It's resonating. It's do having you, impact. Do you think he just understands something about this moment and promotion and students now having the ability to be more involved in it? Do you think he just understands something about it that other coaches are still getting up to speed on? Because now each one of those players are an extension of his program and basically a de facto recruiter on his behalf by extending using their brands and extending, therefore, the Colorado brand. Do you think that's something he gets that everybody else is kind of going, ah, because let's be clear, there's been a lot of people who've looked at Coach Prime, on the, particularly on the coach's side, and have been like, I hope it's a complete failure because this runs counter to everything they think they understood about what it means to be a coach. I think Coach Prime is, is laying a great foundation for success. He's going to experience – his team's going to experience adversity. They experienced it last week with Oregon, and and that's been well documented over this past sure. week. That said, what's interesting about Coach Sanders is I do think he's got a very he's very foundational in his personal values mm -hmm. and what those are, mm -hmm. and he talks about them a lot. So he, I think, is encouraging and teaching his student athletes to get really clear about their personal values as well and then promote them. I think that's what actually works here. This is it not does. a character he's playing. This is who he is. And if the Oregon coach decides tomorrow that I'm going to start emulating coach prime, it'll blow up. It won't work because that's not who he is. So to your point, you said the word perfectly. It's, this is, this is his authentic self. And he's actually training his student athletes in this moment. When they talk about personal brand, he's, he's basically writing the script for them. And that's what we, we encourage. Uh, Grant Jones runs our uh, Learfield Studios and Content Division. And whenever we engage student athletes in a brand campaign, we're really focused in getting better at making sure that there's an alignment on personal values mm. with that brand and with that student athlete. Yeah. And the storytelling and the authenticity that's unlocked when you make that connection and it's real. It's one thing to for a student athlete to do an NIL deal with Dunkin' Donuts. But if you don't like their donuts and you don't like their coffee and you do it, it probably will show a little bit. But if it's part of you, you do actually consume Dunkin' coffee and donuts and you and you like their products. You're making me and hungry. It's, part, it's uh <laughs> That will reveal itself. Yeah. And, and I think 
going back to Dion and I think other coaches and student athletes, I think student athletes are getting better and better at influencer marketing. And part of that is they're getting a really strong understanding on what their personal values are, which is going to play perfectly into their transitions into whatever career they so choose to pursue. And so it's, it's, I think it's exciting to see the evolution of college athletics and how NIL is going to be playing a big role in it. it is, I keep using the word, it's pervasive. It's going to impact every part of college athletics. You also just brought up the the word, we've used the word authenticity a couple times here now. And what does every brand in the world right now say that is a critical part to what it is they're doing from a marketing standpoint, from a content standpoint? It's finding authenticity. So if they can find athletes who are able to communicate that more effectively, it's it's a win win for everybody because it's going to make those messages and those connections and that engagement all the all the better as it goes as it goes forward. And this was part of the NIL impact report that you just released. Basically, gives us state of the state uh, of NIL. I had a chance to flip through it, and there's there's a ton of you know I, I, this is this is the nerd part of me coming out because I, I love stuff like this. You know, you love benchmarking and and where things are. And I think it's fascinating, for instance, that of the top six sports that are engaged with different NIL, three are men's and three are women's, right? I think that's a fascinating insight into where we are in terms of college sports, in terms of society and, and where women's sports currently fits in this continuum. I'm wondering what other, like that caught my eye and sort of it got me excited. I'm wondering if there's other information in the recently released report that stands out to you. Was there something that you saw in there that made you go, oh, wow, I did not see that coming? There's a couple of things. I think the steady engagement last year for 22-23, we had 250 partnerships that included NIL into their agreements. Mm. We're already over 350 Closing in on 400 as of today. Wow. Yeah. And we're, we're three months into our, our fiscal year right now. And so. <laughs> uh, I'm, not a, I'm not an economics guy, but that seems like a growth curve. Every, every conversation, it feels like we're having, whether the corporate partner decides to incorporate influencer marketing into their agreements or not, they're yeah. interested in learning more about it and how it could work for them. So it's right. another significant tool in the tool chest. You and I, when we first met, you know, radio spots was the big thing that we packaged corporate partner agreements on. And then it was TV visible signage and then web banners on the official athletic site. I'm just, I'm, not, I'm only laughing solidly because I know there's like a 28 year old listening to this right now going, what, going, the, hell's what? A, what the hell's a radio spot? Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's the devices you had in your car that you could listen to and they had advertisements. Yeah. But now it's content creation and influencer marketing. Yeah. And I, so I would say the impact report shows the frequency of our activity over this past year. And it's well documented and that Learfield corporate partners distributed $8 million plus mm. directly to student athletes. That's amazing. Uh, through influencer marketing campaigns and NIL activity, which again, we represent the brands, not the student athletes in, the, in those activities, but we have 50 plus partnerships with 
with collectives, which we treat those collectives just like a banking partner or an insurance partner that wants to use IP or promote that collective through our, our offerings on the multimedia rights side, whether it's signage or video board spots or digital campaign, a digital campaign to show showcase their their collective and, and awareness to that university community. So I, I would say what this report represents is we are sitting in the middle as a transactor mm-hmm. with our allied product of being able to offer brands, school IP with student athlete NIL campaigns. And we have the brand relationships. We have the IP rights. It just makes sense for us to be that transactor. Yeah, you're at the hub of the entire relationship right now. Right. You're, you're... And I think that's what's showcased in the in in the report. Yeah. I think the other interesting thing is you're going to see more brands get really creative on content creation. We had a discussion with uh, some Toyota dealers not too long ago, and you know it goes back to those two definitions of NIL. And one of the Toyota dealers said, "Hey, we've had a couple student athletes come onto our car lot and ask for for cars," and we're like. We're not into that aspect of NIL. That's not of interest to us. But we would like to have a couple student athletes that grew up going to practices and their mom and dad were driving them in a Toyota. And they talk about their journey to the playing field at that respective university. Such a great idea. And we can use our other sponsorship rights and assets and signage to help communicate that student athlete story and bring that connection next level to that university audience. We're very interested in something like that. The idea of storytelling and making something that's engaging for the part, because ultimately that's what the partner wants, right? They They don't want just a picture of a kid next to a car. They want something that's going to make people feel. And that's what the stories that you're talking about can do. I mean, I, 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 it's funny, you started talking, I can immediately see in my mind's eye, the, the beat up Toyota minivan that I used to drive my kids to practices with, right? It's a whole feature just about that. It's context. Again, it's not to overuse the word authenticity, but that's, that's what moves the needle today. Dave, is that people-to-people connection that you were talking about earlier. Hmm. And brands are, they prioritize that. They know how much that means in taking T-Mobile and making that connection on a national brand to a Tucson, Arizona. It's gold. No matter where you are. And and I think more brands are going to get very savvy and interested, and we're experiencing that. And you're going to see more student-athletes make sure that Learfield and others know what their personal values are and what mm-hmm. brands they want to connect with. They're going to get very savvy about it. And schools are going to help support those connections because it's it's now part of the new student-athlete experience moving forward. I think that the one thing that we can count on is that things are going to continue to evolve, Right. This has only been two years since we've really been in an NIL marketplace. And already the number of changes and new players on the scene and outcomes, you know, things have been coming from all over the place. It's exciting. It's crazy making. It's 
fascinating to watch. I'm wondering what you're keeping your eye on right now in terms of both opportunities and challenges related to NIL. What gets you when you walk in right now and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome or yikes, that's, that's a problem. Where, what are you paying attention to? What, what, what's, what's spurring your action? Well, with all this activity that we're experiencing, making sure you, you think about it, we have an entire sales force and company that grew up in college athletics and multimedia rights that was told specifically, you cannot do influencer marketing or connect brands to student athletes. It was an NCAA <laughs> violation. And now all of a sudden we're like, go get them, Tiger. And, <laughs> right. Hurry up and go. Go, go, go. <laughs> and uh, so when you have the brand's interest and you've got collectives and you've got you've got student athletes that are really excited about NIL, and we sit in the middle, we're the transactors with IP rights and all these partner relationships. We have to, like I said earlier, we have to make sure that we have compliance and disclosure and receipts of all this activity that we're accounting for that and that it's set market value. So all that has to happen and we cannot take any shortcuts on it. And I would also say we have a, we're at Learfield are, are very accountable now to the student athlete experience. We were before, but now more than ever. It's one thing to mess up on a print ad or a TV, you know, a, a static sign or an LED sign. But when you bring a student athlete into the equation, we now are caretakers and stewards of that student athlete experience and making sure that their, their connection with that corporate partner is done the right way. I can tell you, everyone in Learfield feels that way. We take that to heart that this is these are human beings that are now being incorporated into corporate partnership agreements. It's really, really important. I know the right way is used a lot, it's overused, but that we do this the right way. So when that young leader at whatever university graduates and they have four or five NIL deals under their belt, they, they can look back and say, you know what, that, that enhanced my student athlete experience. I'm a better person for it. And it came out to the positive. Uh, Solly Fulp, Executive Vice President for Learfield, thanks very much for joining me today. Like I said, this this conversation, I think I've got about six questions I didn't ask, but I know we're, we're getting close on time here. So Volume 6, Volume 7 coming soon. Um, before I let you go, though, I gotta, I'm going to put you in the lightning round. Um, I have some questions for you uh, that I'm going to ask that I want your uh, – the first thing that comes to mind, no, no pausing to consider – uh, no, uh, no careful consideration. These are these are spontaneous responses. Uh, Solly Fulp, are you ready for the lightning round? My lord, here we go. Okay, here we go. Um, you are famously from Alaska. Uh, what is the most frightening bear encounter you've ever had? I've never had a bear encounter. You're not really from Alaska, then. <laughs> it's all been a ruse up to this point. Okay, no bear encounters from Alaska. All right. Well, well. I went on a honey trip and I saw one on a ridge that was like a half mile away and it was a little brown dot 
I that's that's not that doesn't really count. No, that doesn't and I, count. I can't I can't really make up a bear encounter story. So, uh, <laughs> all right, we'll start embellishing that experience. All right, number two, uh, what is the craziest thing you've ever done to make weight in wrestling? Done a lot of crazy crazy things to make weight. Uh, and when you, I was cutting about sixteen to eighteen pounds oh, of water weight a week. So Marie. Yeah, That's, it was ugh. it was not pretty because you could weigh in the day before you wrestled. So you had 24 hours or a little bit more to recover. So I would just my routine was I would stop eating and drinking on a Wednesday afternoon after practice for a Friday weigh, weigh in. And then I would do an extra run on Thursday morning <laughs> and then do practice Thursday afternoon. And then you start seeing demons. And then pass out on the scale. <laughs> oh, my God. But so a Friday weigh-in, it's amazing what your body does when you deplete it of water. Uh, and it was interesting. My teeth started tingling and hurting on, like, Friday afternoon. Like, weird things, like, your body just starts shutting down. Anybody so, who's listening to this is not a recommendation. Like, I, I, like I, we're not doing video here for a reason because the look of horror in Solly's eyes is actually it's frightening me uh, he's actually drinking water right now because i clearly he's feeling dehydrated all right next question you graduated from oregon but you teach a sports business class at cal do you lean more golden bear or duck these days that's such a tough question i it's I'm, the lightning I'm, round I'm, man i can't give you the split down the middle i'm still i'm still a fighting duck all right i love duck. my ducks and my wife at, at University of Oregon, Dave. Right. So I got it. All right. It, it offered me a lot. I understand. There's household peace you got to keep. All right. I last, think that's important. Last one. Uh, this is something like your 50th podcast appearance. Uh, what's the secret to your popularity, Solly? <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not that popular, Dave, and I don't know how many people are going to actually listen to this. I hope you do. My do. mom is excited for this episode, Solly. She's excited for every episode. <laughs> you know what? It might be my name that makes people just, it grabs their attention. I remember I was uh, I was going for the University of Hawaii athletic director job, and my name got out there. You can't, the jokes about Solly and and uh they were conjured up on at, in hawaii for my name uh is pretty funny so maybe that that's part of the lure there dave all right very good well we've got that solly falp the man with the name that is unforgettable and a secret to his popularity thanks again for joining me today yeah i appreciate it always good man thanks for having me thanks for listening to this episode of the one-on-one -on -one sports business conversations podcast if you enjoyed it, we always appreciate a subscribe, share, comment, or like. And don't forget, you can always find past episodes at abcpartners.com slash podcast. This podcast is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Dave Almey. And theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. <laughs>